Johnson. Well, welcome. Um, I'm so glad that you made time for us and really uh, appreciate it. And thank you so much, Ben, the chair of the Democratic Party in Wisconsin. Um, very exciting. This is the fourth of our five-part uh, Midterms Explained series. Uh, where we're in conversation with the chairs of the Democratic Party of five key battleground states in this 2022 uh, fight to keep keep blue, stay blue across the country. So Ben, you're kind of like a mini celebrity in this world. Um, you're kind of like the Nate, what's his name? That guy that does the predictions? Nate, uh, uh, you can see how famous Nate is. I think you mean Nate Silver, maybe. Yeah, you're like the Nate Silver kind of nerdy celebrity of the Democratic Party is my uh, my understanding of you. So what's that about? Uh, well, you're very kind. I feel like if I have a claim to fame, it's that the part that the cast of The Princess Bride in 2020 just uh, agreed to do a read through of the script and we did the biggest online fundraising cultural event in our history and about 160,000 people joined and that was kind of kicked off the celebrity reunion wave in the fall of 2020. So that was right. amazing. It's my favorite movie. I quoted it as my toast at my <laughs> sister's wedding. So that was kind of a magic moment. But we used that money basically to build this organizing program that's been running continuously. I mean, it started actually in 2017, but now it's been like ramped up. We ran a bigger operation in 2021 than we have in any previous off year and many on years. And that's, I think, why we're going into this year with a kind of like grassroots energizing organizing juggernaut that the the normally you would not have as the as the party who has the presidency in a midterm so that makes me feel better about a situation that is really intense otherwise nice well we just had a conversation with um congresswoman nakima williams and that was a little bit of a tough one because they have had They've had it rough. So I'm looking forward to having a nice, bright, juicy, optimistic conversation with you. I guess, you know, you teed me up well, but I do want to talk to you about um, how you were able to turn Wisconsin blue in 2020, because it was a success story. Um, and a lot of people looked to, to the model in Wisconsin uh, to kind of inform us in the future. So, so how did that happen? What did you do in the run up to 2020 to help deliver it uh, for the party? So first let me say it was the work of thousands of people and when i say thousands i actually mean thirty thousand people volunteered in wisconsin which has a total population of seven million so it, you know more than uh it was like one every one out of every 300 wisconsinites volunteered directly through the party plus ten thousand nice. friends across the country nice. um, the way that that was possible is that if you go way back in time to before i was chair after wisconsin went for trump in 2016 in a very painful, gruesome uh, disaster of an election. Uh -huh. the, then, the then chair looked at what the most effective models were in the history of you know democratic organizing and found the Obama model, which is that a totally different one than most field campaigns. The Obama model was that organizers who were on staff look for local leaders. They spend their time having one-to-one -one meetings to find people uh -huh. who are willing to organize their own communities. And then they train and mentor those leaders to form teams and the teams organize the volunteers who talk to the voters. So yes. after the election's over, you could still have teams there. And the 
by doing this through a state party instead of through a presidential campaign, it meant that these neighborhood teams could work, you know, in the in the fall of 2018, but then also in the Supreme Court elections in 2019 and 2020, and in you know local municipal races this coming spring. We have hundreds of teams across the state that work day in and day out on top of our county parties in every county across Wisconsin, and the people in those teams know their communities so well. They know exactly the right way to reach each voter, and that that is the that's our kind of secret sauce. What we did in 2020 is added this huge digital layer on top of it, um, and then we could bring in you know volunteers from across the country, people watching right now. You can help win in Wisconsin, and the, the marriage of you know cutting edge digital organizing with this very or, like meaningful community based team model. That's that's our secret sauce. Um, I'm just changing my headphones real quick. Can you hear me? I hear you. This is Oh, perfect. And Ram, type in the chat if this is better, and if not, I can go back to the other way. Um, yes, is that better? Okay, great. Um, so that's amazing. Did that change for Clinton, though, just real quick on this? Because I was on the Obama campaign in 12, and I totally, I totally remember reaching out to neighborhood leaders in New Hampshire and then reaching out to their friends. Did that kind of go away, and you brought it back for Wisconsin? That's right. So 2016, I knocked doors in the in, in the final stretch in 2016 in Wisconsin, and it was you know every it was all offices staffed by organizing staff who were supposed to be responsible for recruiting the volunteers, mostly almost all of whom were hired in the final three months of the election, and so they didn't actually have that many connections to the people who were there. They didn't know who right. you know, who knew who. Um, now we have so many people who run canvases out of the local coffee shop or out of their home and do it. You know, we'll have, we knocked on uh, doors all over the state without an election last November, a year out from the election, just to start the conversations with people. That's only possible if you have a year-round organizing team and that team is mobilizing, you know, staff is mobilizing teams that are there all the time. And it, that, it, that it. disappeared. It, I mean, a lot of the local infrastructure, unfortunately, shriveled and died in the 20, um, you know, early 2010s. And then it all had to come back during the Trump years. But it's here, and my goal is to keep it here to stay, so that we never we never fall apart the way we did back in the in the battle days. I love it. So spend as much time as you can, Wisconsin, Wisconsinites, continue to organize year round. Also, by the way, for my folks who are tuning in, you know the drill. If you have questions for Chair Wickler, you can just type it in the chat. I'm going to go through my kind of questions that were submitted in advance. But if you have additional questions or you feel like I haven't asked them all, go ahead and type them in the chat. So let's just go straight into the races, if you don't mind, Ben. Uh, the first one is uh, the governor's race that I wanted to talk about. So the current governor is Tony Evers. Uh, he's running for a second term. What is the state of play for his reelection, would you say? Some folks are saying it's a toss-up. So what's going on? And also, isn't he like a teacher or a scientist or something? Yes. So Tony Evers, Evers rhymes with believers. We're Evers. believers in Tony Evers. You can see his, uh, his barn sign right behind me here. Um, so Tony Evers is a lifelong educator, teacher. Uh, he was a teacher, then a principal, then a school superintendent, then the head of public schools for the state, and then governor. His personal motto is what's best for our kids is best for our state which is uh, at this moment particularly poignant because Ron Johnson, who's our terrible incumbent senator, um, just said on TV here that having kids is a personal decision and it's not responsibility, not society's responsibility to help. And that's why he opposes uh, support to reduce childcare costs. But that's wow. another race. So Evers is, you know- I know who I'm not inviting over to babysit my kids. Yeah, for real. So Evers is like the quintessential non-politician who's just in this to help people guy. And when you, interact with him, meet him, see him on TV, you can tell he's just wakes up trying to do the right thing for people. 
he is up against a group of Republicans who are tripping over each other to come up with even more devious and extreme ways to shred our democracy and tear up the votes that regular, the, the rights and support that regular people depend on. Rebecca Clayfish is probably the, the front runner against him. She was the Lieutenant Governor under Scott Walker, who's our kind of infamous former Republican governor. Yes. Rebecca Clayfish, um, from her uh, first campaign event on, has said that every one of the voter suppression laws that our governor has vetoed, she would sign. And mm. what's more, she was asked if she would sign a bill that lets the state legislature overturn presidential election results. And she said it would be premature to comment until she knows exactly what was in the bill. Oh, is, my goodness. Uh, ominous. Wisconsin was the tipping point state in both 2016 and 2020. It's the only state in the country where four, uh, excuse, yeah, four of the last six presidential elections has come down to less than one percentage point. So it's the it's the must win state over and over and over. And if you have a Republican who thinks that it should go for the Republican, no matter what how people vote, it's really dangerous territory. And I'll, I'll add. Right, so are you are you worried about Governor E versus race, or are you confident about it? So there's there's a uh, two sides of the scale. So on one side of the scale, this is a tough environment for Dems nationally, and midterm elections with a Democratic president usually are really tough. That makes me concerned about it. On the other side. Governor Evers is personally pretty popular and Wisconsin just hit record low unemployment rates and has record surpluses. And the, you know, the schools have gotten back in the top 10 after plummeting during the Walker Clayfish years. And you know, we're rebuilding roads all over the state and Clayfish is terrible. And people, the more people learn about her, the more they know it. So that makes me feel good. And okay, add those okay. two things together, I think it's fair to say it's a toss up. I think it's gonna okay. come down to a nail biter. And it's one of these races where you have, to, if you do everything you possibly can, you'll win by a hair's breadth. Got it. Okay, so let's talk about the Senate race because a lot of people are, I feel like I've been hearing about the Wisconsin Senate race already for like six to nine months. It just feels like it, it started like a year ago. Mm -hmm. I'm a little confused because Ron Johnson is a sitting incumbent U.S. Senator and everyone keeps talking about this as like one of the main pickup seats around the country. So what's going on with your Democrat, your Republican Senator? Why does everyone think this is a pickup seat? And then give us a sense of who's running and who is your favorite? <laughs> okay, so I got to say, I'm required by the Constitution of the Democratic Party of Wisconsin to be neutral in our primary. And so with I know, meeting, I'm, I, I know. Have no but maybe tell us, tell us, but tell us about who's running. It would be good to know, yes. like, you know, the ins and outs. Sure. So I will tell you that uh, Ron Johnson, he's been in for two Senate terms. He was supposed to lose in 2016 and then, you know, came from behind and he beat Russ Feingold, who I interned for when I was in college. He beat him for a second time uh, in a row. It was very heartbreaking. Johnson, mm -hmm. since getting reelected, the next year, he uh, they had this debate about the Trump tax cut. And all the Republicans said yes, except Ron Johnson, who said that he would only support it if they added in another tax break on top of it for owners of the specific type of corporation that he happens to own and his biggest donors happen to own. Oh, my and God. There, there are two billionaire right-wing families in Wisconsin who had plowed $20 million into his campaign. Those two families, who both own this kind of company, got a $200 million tax break the next year, just from that. Y'all sure know how to pick them in Wisconsin. God damn. God. I mean, we have Tammy Baldwin, who's amazing. And then yeah, that's Johnson, true. who's a disaster, like embarrassingly bad disaster of a senator. So Johnson has, like, he'd done that. And then he did everything he could to block American Rescue Plan dollars. He opposed, even when Trump was pushing the stimulus checks, he opposed it. He single-handedly put a hold and blocked the bill twice. He does everything he can to stop regular people from getting any support from the government while shoveling money into his own pockets and his biggest donors. 
as a result of this, he and also his conspiracy mongering, anti-vaccine, you know, and pro-insurrection, all that stuff. We add all that together, he's up to 51% disapproval, 36% approval in the most recent poll in our state. My, my, 36%. While that is a lucky number, while that is a lucky number in the Jewish faith, that is not a lucky number if you are a politician. That's true. Um, the so that's why he's a pickup. Now you'd think that with numbers like that, with a record like that, this would be like a you know definitely going to be a Democratic seat. But this is Wisconsin, you know, where Trump lost by twenty thousand six hundred eighty-two votes out of three point two eight million. So it's we we just have very very close elections, and everyone's job, I would say, is to work and organize now. Something that people who are watching right now can do. You can join our virtual phone banks, call Wisconsin voters now, and tell them to request absentee ballots for this entire year. Because you can request your ballot now, and then it gets mailed to you 47 days before the election in the fall. And we can nice. turn out all these voters early. And you can do that today. You do not have to wait. And we don't have to wait till we have a nominee. We have 12 candidates in the race, our lieutenant governor, our state treasurer, the vice president of the Milwaukee Bucks, the county executive of Outagamie County, nonprofit leaders, business leaders, all kinds of different people running. But we won't know our nominee till August 9th. We can't wait till then to organize and defeat Ron Johnson. So yeah, that's, that's what, jump in. Go ahead. Uh, that's what I wanted to ask you. Your 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 primary is in August. The election's in November. It's January. So that to me seems like a long time to not know who the to all rally around the Democratic candidate for the Senate seat. So how are you feeling about that? And how might the late primary affect the race, do you think? So in 2016, excuse me, 2018 we had a 16-way primary field against Scott Walker. And then we beat Scott Walker. In 2020, we had a 26-way candidacy uh, campaign against Donald Trump, and we beat Donald Trump. And what we did in each of those years, which we haven't done in other years, is we did a ton of organizing through the party, through the state party, before we had a nominee. So that once we had a nominee, have you ever heard like, you know, we're building the plane as we fly it? That's, yes, that's I have. actually bad aviation in terms of like air safety. You do not want to be assembling the plane <laughs> as you're flying it. So sure. we actually build the plane through the party, and then the candidate jumps into the cockpit and takes off. I that's see. I see. And that, and that looks like yeah. making sure that all the Democrats like have their ballots, they're registered, they're ready to go, so that when the candidate is chosen, uh, we're ready to, to to make it work. That's smart. That's wonderful. Um, do you access? Uh, who is there a front runner on the Democratic side yet, or no? The, I will leave it to the candidates to, you know, leak their internal polling about why to them is the front runner. Uh, that okay. is the, but I, the, the really good. key thing is uh, making sure the party is neutral and then we come together around whoever has the nomination. So we're, we want them to not have to think for a second about hiring field organizers, hiring, you know, the like all these different parts of the communications operation, voter protection, coalition team, all this kind of stuff. We'll have it all ready to go in the party. And then the nominee just has to hit the gas button or however you are And everyone, we are putting those links in the chat right now. So as you hear Ben and you feel motivated, you're, you're thinking this guy knows what he's talking about. I wanna make sure that we win. Click on the links and register uh, to organize and also to donate. I do have to say that when I hear Ron Johnson, I think of a combination of Ronald McDonald and Howard Johnson. I don't know, but like, I've never met the guy, but for some reason, that's what I think of. Let's move on to the congressional map. Super dramatic about your congressional map. We've been asking the Democratic Party chairs uh, because this is a redistricting year about it. Can you, what is the state of play with your congressional map? Can you take us through the drama of the, the governor and the Republican state legislature and the Supreme Court's involved now? Like what's going on? And how do you, what do you think, when are you gonna know what the map is so you can organize around it? Sure, so I'll show you our current map here. 
This is okay. the current. Sorry, it looks. There we go. All right. As you can see, maybe you can see this. You I can see it. Yeah. This Y shape here. This is yes. a very gerrymandered district. Yeah. That is the one battleground district in Wisconsin at the moment. We have okay. a state with that's 50 50, like down the line. Our, our governor's race was won by 1.1 percentage point in 2018. Um, over and over, it's evenly divided. We have seven, uh, eight congressional districts. There's five safe Republican seats, two safe Democratic seats, and one toss up seat. So that is the product of gerrymandering. Um, we will. I will ask my colleague McKinley to throw a link uh, uh, a link into the chat because I'm not going to be able to get a get a good shot of it with my short webcam cord. Um, but the uh, the maps are currently in front of the state supreme court, which is dominated by Republicans. They decided to take away power from the um, state court. Uh, excuse me, federal courts, which normally decide these things. Um, then they announced that the hyper gerrymandered maps in 2010. Um, which are now illegal because populations have shifted, that the only change they want to make is is to equalize the population roughly. So they said they wanted to take a least changes approach to the hyper gerrymandered maps, which means it's probably going to be pretty gerrymandered even after the, the, the court's rule. Now, it could be about as bad as it is now or a little bit better. So it's not going to get worse because you can't really get worse. That's very effectively gerrymandered. That probably means there's one swing district the third congressional district in Wisconsin is one of only seven in the country that went for Trump and a Democrat. And it actually, it's one of only three that went for Trump and a Democrat in both 2016 and 20, excuse me, in both 2016 and 2020. Who's the so Democrat? His name is Ron Kind and he's retiring. Oh no, boo boo. So what's gonna happen? So we now have a three-way Democratic primary with, with great candidates in that race uh, to, to run for that seat. Meanwhile, on the Republican side, the guy who lost last time is running again, Derek Van Orden, who went to the Stop the Steal rally and then marched to the Capitol and was on Capitol grounds as they were storming the Capitol. And he was posting photos from there. And then uh, once he realized it was bad news for his reelection campaign, I think, I can't get inside his head. Anyway, he left the Capitol grounds, deleted his photos and his, his posts and denounced the violence and then claimed anyone who said he was on Capitol grounds was lying, um, which worked until people found the photos and posted and okay. pointed out where he was. So we have a lying insurrectionist and then we have a three-way battle with three Democratic uh, um, folks, which also the primary is the same as the Senate. It's, it's August? Yeah, that's right. August 9th. So it's yeah, that area, again, that's an area with one of the closest state Senate races and one more Republican state Senate district would give Republicans a supermajority in the state Senate, so we cannot lose any of those. Um, we have one of the hardest fought state assembly districts, and Republicans just need five more seats in the state assembly to get a supermajority, so we can't lose there either. And both of those, the assembly and state Senate district, are in that congressional district. So we're just we're going to organize the living daylights out of that district to make sure Democrats win up and down the ticket and prevent, you know, help prevent Republicans getting a House majority and supermajorities in the state legislature. Got it. So it sounds like you're not waiting on all this ringamoral to finish up to do that organizing because it's it's probable that no matter that the map that will come out won't be a demonstrably different than the map you had. So you already That's know how exactly to organize right. it around it. Okay. Yeah. So you, you you beat me to the punch. So state assembly and state senate, Republicans hold majorities in both. I think it's a five seat majority in the state senate, like you said, twelve seat majority in the state assembly. So you're not really thinking. No, incorrect. So correct me and then, oh, oh, and then yeah. seat majority. Yes, I was talking seat about majority. Yes. That's right. The okay. number that I was talking about is how many seats to a supermajority, which would be the, right. the disaster. Right. Yeah. I'm thinking optimistically about how do we flip it from red to blue, 
But I guess that's fanciful. And really how you're thinking about it is how do we not give them a super majority, which gives them, which, which would what, which render the governor kind of, it would make it harder for the governor to pass legislation because they'd be veto, be able to veto it. So the governor has uh, a lot of jurisdiction over a lot of things, regardless of what the legislature do, does. So it's critical to have a democratic governor regardless, including the governor is the person who certifies the election at the end of the process. So if you have a mm -hmm. Republican in that seat who claims, oh, there's fraud I just made up, I'm not gonna certify, then that's a real problem. So you want a Democratic governor. But if yes. Republicans had super majorities, they could override the veto of the Democratic governor. And what that means is right now, you know, Republicans, well, a Republican just introduced a bill to our state legislature that would allow uh, the attorney general or another prosecutor to nullify the results of a statewide election um, if the margin of victory was less than the number of absentee ballots, which is, Hush. Can, again, can I just ask you on that? Is the feeling on the Republican Party that absentee ballots, do they actually believe that these ballots are corrupted or, or fake? Or is, do they just say that and they really just, is it just a power play? Like when you talk to Republicans or you hear them, do you believe them when they say that they're really just trying to make elections free and fair? I don't believe them. Um, I think that there are some that have actually convinced themselves the last election was stolen, and there's others who see this as an opportunity to try to make it harder for Democrats to vote. I mean, they after the 2020 election, they tried to disqualify 212,000 absentee ballots in Dane County and Milwaukee County. That's the two most progressive counties, or two of the three most progressive counties in the state. Uh, and they knew that there was nothing wrong with these ballots. They just knew that if they threw them out, they would win. And that's... That's wow. the rule, is to change the rules so that they can suppress their way to an election, uh, to, to a victory, and if they don't do that, to be able to overturn and, and steal a victory. And right now, if they pass the bill like that, the governor could veto it. But if they got a supermajority, then they could pass it. So we have to hold the line in these districts. The best way to win these legislative races is to win the governor's race and have a, you know, a strong tide that lifts all boats. So the, the governor and Senate races are the top of the thing, but we also need to keep an eye on these other races so Republicans can't you know, grab a different path to power. I don't know. I, I think I speak for all the rest of the folks on this call and the folks who will be listening in the future. Where I'm just really upset. Like hearing you say that makes me so angry that you could have you could have a party trying to nullify hundreds of thousands of votes just because it is convenient to their uh, desire for victory. It just makes my blood boil. Um, speaking of that, how are you planning on combating these efforts uh, of voter suppression in the state in the upcoming months to make sure that they don't they're not successful in their efforts to nullify the votes of citizens of this country. So it's worth being upset. It's worth being furious. And then channeling all of that into productive energy. And I'll tell you what our opportunity is here, which is enormous. So Republicans have been attacking absentee voting, attacking absentee voting. They propose all these bills to make it harder to absentee vote. They want to eliminate drop boxes entirely, all this different stuff. All their bills have been vetoed by our Democratic governor. He's a brick wall that voter suppression slams into and smashes. Come on, Tony, let's go. That's right, Tony Evers, brick wall. And they can't get these bills through if they don't have the governorship. And because they haven't passed their bills, we now have more than a million people who voted for Biden with absentee ballots, who know how to do this, who we can call right now and tell them to request absentee ballots for this whole year. And we have a, elections on April 5th for local offices like mayors and city councils in t not the whole state, but tons of parts of, of Wisconsin have these local elections. So we can organize to win those elections and prevent insurrectionists from taking over local government. And at the same time, get people to request their absentee ballots for the fall election. And Republicans can't because they have poisoned their voters to voting absentee.
So they can like try to get people excited in advance, but they basically have to wait. The, one of the candidates for governor said, we should do what Democrats do. And she got attacked by every other Republican for suggesting that they should organize people to vote absentee. Like wow. they're obsessed with this. So they've, they've really kind of kneecapped themselves and we can actually like run out in front and get tons of people to go through the process, request their absentee ballots. And that means those are people we don't have to turn out in the final weeks of the election. Nice. Which means that you know all the volunteer energy can be on the hardest to reach people at the in the final stretch. So I think we have an an, an unsung advantage in this race, which we got to make full use of. Because if they win, they will you know destroy all the different things that Democrats have been able to do to to win fair and square. So this is use it or lose it, but we can use it and we can win. Got it. So the good news is is because of Governor Evers, um, it is not the case that absentee ballot voting or Dropbox voting will be a handicapped in any or kneecapped in any way for this election. And so the strategy is to emphasize doing that as much as possible, in addition to all the um, the kind of standard organizing practices, especially since the Republican Party in Wisconsin has made their voters distrust absentee ballot voting in the first place. Genius. I love it. Um, so I, I guess I, before we don't, we don't have a ton of time left, and so if there are any burning questions in the chat, please type them in. But I did want to ask before we get how we get into how people can get involved in a quick summary of everything. I do want to know, you know, you've talked about basically down the line, governor, Senate, state ledge that Wisconsin is is 50 50. It's kind of like one of those places where, you know, all these elections uh, have been decided by a hair. Why? Like, why? Are, why is Wisconsin divided so evenly? Why? I, I, as a Californian, I want to understand um, kind of what, what do Wisconsin's care about? Why? Why is it 50 50 and kind of why? Why so divided, I guess? So there's a lot of different pieces to the answer. One of them is that there are 81 right-wing talk radio stations around Wisconsin, and there are, I think, three progressive talk radio stations. There's a, um, you know, Sinclair Broadcasting Group owns television stations. Fox News has you know, <coughs> all over the place. There's a right-wing, and also, you know, the the national wave of hedge fund buyouts of local newspapers and total destruction of local journalism has happened in a whole bunch of places. I've, I've visited newsrooms that you know, were huge rooms with three people working in them in, in medium-sized cities in our state. So these kind of structural factors that allow the Republican propaganda apparatus to thrive have been successful. But the biggest thing is in 2020, excuse me, 2010, Republicans swept the state in a year that was terrible for Democrats across the board. And immediately after getting into office, Scott Walker and Rebecca Clayfish, who are now running for governor, um, they changed all the rules. So they made it much harder to register voters. They eliminated the uh, cap on how much individuals could give to state parties, for example, um, but put low limits on how much unions could give or other you know, grassroots organizations. And then they made it so that parties could transfer unlimited amounts to candidates. And immediately right-wing billionaires were writing literally seven-figure checks to the Wisconsin Republicans. Our state party chair, by the way, was Reince Priebus, who became uh, you know, the head of the RNC and then Donald Trump's uh, White House chief of staff. Paul Ryan was in Wisconsin at that time as well. Uh, they, uh, all the things, they passed one of the harshest voter suppression, like voter ID bills in the country. Uh, they smashed organized labor. They passed first Act 10, which was a giant blow to public sector unions, then full right to work to, to smash uh, private sector unions as well across the state, like in area after area after area after area, in very detailed ways, they dismantled the apparatus that had allowed Democrats to win elections and for people in general to have a voice in their government. And they ultra gerrymandered our state legislature. 
And so mm. there have been two elections where Democrats won significant outright majorities of the vote and still ended up with near super minority status in the state legislature. Wow, wow. And that that's is crazy. That's their recipe. They rig the rules to make it harder for people who don't vote for them to vote. And until, you know, we're fighting the long game here, because if we could make this a pro-voter state, I think we could consistently win or they would have to moderate and, you know, pr propose people that could actually get like general support. But until then, it's a it's a constant arms race where they try to suppress the vote and we have to out organize to find ways around the, the obstacles they put in people's path. Well, listen, thank you for that explanation. And clearly, Wisconsin is a battleground. I feel like there is a lot of battling that needs to happen in that state, whether it's you know between the Senate, uh, the governor. We didn't talk about secretary of state. We have the but I'm sure there's something there, the state legislature. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of work to do. I'm glad that you're there and you're continuing to be there and that you have that you've stuck around and you're continuing to fight. Um, and so thank you for doing that. Everyone that's listening, we need to focus on Wisconsin. It's extremely important. Um, the last question for you uh, is what, how, how do you suggest anyone that's listening get involved? You've mentioned it a couple of ways, but, you know, and we put some links in the chat, but what would you say are the one or two ways that you'd like everyone to get involved to help help us win? Uh, volunteer and donate. We can volunteer use and your time as much time as you have to give, and we could use your dollars, as many dollars as you can afford to donate. We will put them to work, especially to hire more organizers to work with more volunteers. Um, I'll put the links to both of those things into the chat. Um, we can, you, again, you don't have to wait. We have elections coming up soon. We can make use of your time, and it feels great to call Democrats and tell them how easy it is to get an absentee ballot. Um, so the more we scale that up, the better chances we have to win a Senate majority, prevent Republican House majority, win a Democratic governor who can help make sure we have a next Democratic president by not letting Republicans steal the vote. There's huge echoes that come out of things that happen in Wisconsin. We're like the opposite of Las Vegas. What happens here echoes everywhere. We want everyone to be involved. Thank you so much. Amazing. Thank you, Ben. For everyone, um, I have a little announcement to make, which is that we, because this series has been so successful, we've actually decided to expand it to five more states. So on Tuesday, we'll be doing Arizona um, with the Democratic Party leadership there. And then after that, we're looking at five additional states. I don't want to say them yet because we haven't locked them in yet. Uh, but if you've been coming to this, you will hear about it via email. So look out for that. I want to thank the chair of the Wisconsin Democratic Party, who's not physically next to me, but his box is next to my box. Ben Wickler, we look forward to hosting you in San Francisco again. Everyone, if you're able, donate. If you've got time, contribute that time. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, team. Thank you, Ramses Olivares, for running this Zoom series and for being so freaking awesome. And everyone, thank you. Love to you. Love to Ben. Love to the world. Have a good rest of your day. Bye-bye.